welcome to this week's episode of The Third Power. This is episode number three, and this episode's going to be about commons cubes, or popper cubes. Now, Anthony's not here today, he's uh, he's out right now, but I do have one of the best in the business, uh, Adam Staborski. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm marveling your vast overvaluation of my skills. <laughs> not overvalue at all. Uh, best in the business. <laughs> one yeah. of the best in the business, for sure. For those who are unfamiliar with who you are, uh, let's ha- have like a brief introduction. Or Who is Adam Staborski? Uh, well, I, uh, I'm a Magic player. Um, I've been playing for quite a while. I've, I've shared that tidbit some places. Um, I, uh, I started writing for Wizards of the Coast, uh, the Tuesday column, Series Fun, uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, November 2009, so you may have seen me there, um, probably during preview season. That's when most people realize, hey, there's more than just like three articles on the main website. So yeah, you spoiled um, that uh, that that uh, EDH guy that I forget what commander. Yeah, yeah. The, the commander yeah. guy. Yeah, the commander yeah. guy. I forget what the Sphinx, the the four six flyer. A consecrated Sphinx. It's uh, four and two blue. Uh, whenever an opponent draws a card, you may draw two cards. Uh, there we go. That's so. Amazing. It's like a some sort of inverse feedback card advantage engine. Yeah, kind of like a Ristic Study, uh, Mind's Eye kind of thing. It's like Mind's Eye meets Ristic Study meets nobody can do anything about it other than killing your dude. Yeah, <laughs> get a huge target on your head, uh, kind of guy. Now uh, you also have a you've had a Commons Cube for a really long time. Could you go into some history about that? Uh, I, well, why don't we, uh, why don't we back up a little bit and, uh, oh. kind of, kind of talk about, um, how I got into cubing. Oh, my apologies. Sorry. I, uh, um, I was introduced to cubing when I got back into magic, um, during Shards of Alara, uh, right before, bet- between, uh, Eventide and Shards of Alara is when I came back, um, the last, the most recent time. And, um, it was Eric Kluke. Uh, he, um... If you if you've ever been on um, some cube forums, he's um, he's Klug K L U G. Uh, he has a he has like the common uncommon cube. Um, that's the list that I always refer to, and I think you've you know you've kind of taken to that as the as the go to common uncommon list. But um, I got to play his cube, and um, I totally got hooked. Um, just all of the interesting interactions from you know between cards that are so spread out over the history. You know, a really good limited environment where you could draft certain things and archetypes and when he started explaining to me everything that that his cube was you know i i was like oh cool i you know i play i play commander i play you know big huge decks i can totally build something like this you know it's only like you know three commander decks four commander decks thrown together it's not that hard yeah and (laughs) um so i put together a popper cube um an all commons cube because i personally love commons i think um you know, they're, they're the workhorse of magic. They're the cards you see the most, that you touch the most, that you play with probably the most, and you don't even realize it. And I really enjoy um, just the the interactions and the things that happen with commons. So I put together this pile, um, and it really was a pile. Uh, I tried to take the multicolor theme, something else that I like, and make a commons cube focusing on multicolor. It was kind of a train wreck. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Um, you could definitely build, like, three- and four-color decks. There's tons of mana fixing at common. It's really easy to do, but the the issue was is that, you know, kind of the more savvy people would draft just a two-color deck, 
and just beat people on consistency. And um, it wasn't very fun. It wasn't very uh, pleasant experience, for, especially for a lot of the guys that totally get the kind of commander-like, wacky, hey, let's just throw whatever we want into a deck and play it, and it'll be fine. You know, it was a little rude awakening. So, you know, know, I've kind of matured a little bit as a player, too, and and I've really enjoyed pushing Popper Cube more towards, like, a a limited-type set, where you're drafting creatures and removal and interactions and building synergy within your deck. You know, you've got raw power, and you've got a mix of synergistic effects that kind of all overlap, and you make these... um, these decks that, that do very interesting things, but it's still all commons. So uh, that's kind of the history where I've gone through with cubing. How long have you had your commons cube for? Because I, I think you've had, I, I remember when you used to have the popper multicolor cube, but I'm trying to remember exactly how long it how long it's been. It feels like it's been a couple of years, something like that. <laughs> no, um, I, I put it together a little after when um, Alara Reborn came together. So, um, just under, I guess it is just under two years. Okay. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it has been a while. But, um, yeah, when, when Alara Reborn came out, I mean, basically I saw, wow, like, an entire set of multicolored cards. That's great. I've got tons of commons now. This will be easy. Mm-hmm. Cards like, uh, Putrid Leech, stuff like that. Uh, the Border Posts were, you know, probably like super shoe-ins for it. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could give you, I mean, we could spend, uh, we could spend hours just going down a litany of, Things that make it into cute popper cubes. That's but, that's um, true. But yeah, I mean, probably the probably the biggest takeaway from that are the um, are the border posts because they effectively function as um, common equivalents to the invasion cycle of ta- of comes and play tap lands. Yeah, and I, I you should I remember, just always uh, play it in that mode because then you immediately replay either replay your land, um, you know, if you didn't have a land drop that turn, or um, you play, you know, you you play your land for the turn and then you play that and and, and get your here comes in the play tap land. Yeah, essentially, and it's especially nice in uh, decks with like landfall stuff, like uh, Plated Geopede and stuff like that. Now, uh, in terms of uh, cubes, like you know, most normal cubes, for example, don't use the border posts. But uh, one of the things I was going to say is, uh, you know, what is, for example, would you say are the main differences between you know popper and other kinds of cubes? Uh, probably the the biggest difference. I mean, putting rarity and the 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 foil aspect you know the some of the pimping and, and other things you know a lot a lot of the a lot of the the more rare cards have more more fun options when you go to go to pick which version to put in the the biggest difference are the way decks are constructed and feel a lot of a lot of power cubes and even common uncommon cubes for the most part play more like more like constructed type decks now they're not exactly you know, you know analogs to Ponza or some you know existing archetype, but the the principles and, and the cards that would feed into a deck of that type uh, you pull together, and instead of having very powerful big splashy effects and planeswalkers and these things that can you know there's so many more cards that can just take over a game if left unchecked in powered cubes and even common uncommon cubes you know the control and long game strategies are extremely effective they're very very good. And it's very, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that a lot of more powerful cubes run into is it's very difficult to get aggro going, simply because when you're playing a, you know, a, a two-power dude for one mana, it doesn't help you on turn seven. It's no longer a great time. If you've made it to turn seven, you know, you're probably doing something wrong or something went wrong for your strategy. And, you know, the control decks can just really take over, given the right tools. So with a popper cube, it's actually the reverse problem. 
there are so many efficient creatures now, um, especially in the last couple of years of Magic. There are so many efficient removal spells. All of the staples of Limited, all of those different little variants of creature kill and um, aggressive bodies and the, the, the set mechanic on the bear, all of those things are, are common because they, they, they're featured in part of the Limited environments for those sets that are constructed. And so you see a lot more bodies and a lot more efficient bodies um, than you would think. And so... The, the dynamic is set reversed. It's really easy to put together aggressive decks and have burn, splash for burn and, and have a lot of removal, but it's difficult to get a long game strategy set up and to fight back not only the, the aggro that's coming in, but then take that, clear away the board or reset the position because there aren't board sweepers. There aren't mass removal effects. And so what you run into is board states that either there's a lot of trading going on and people lose their dudes and you end up with trading and a lot of uh, a lot of interaction or you get stalemated and it comes down to who draws the the biggest best dude that can swing over like Aaron Ephemeron or something that that's just not being dealt with that just puts the game away or some, so, something that kind of like breaks it like a flood or something like that can, that can end the stalemate kind of thing yeah it's you know and, and there isn't even overrun you know, for example, really at common. Um, there's nothing that can just take an equal board state and just in, you know, a couple mana completely change it and uh, and end the game. So it's there's a lot of wars of attrition um, between aggro decks, and uh, it's because of the way blue is set up at common. It doesn't have a lot of efficiently powered creatures. It has difficulty making those trades and, and being as efficient at, uh, at at the wars of attrition in that regard. With creatures. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of, uh, like, for example, six a mana and above, especially even in blue, blue doesn't really have that many good tools at that slot. Like, it has uh, Aether Snipe, which a 4-4 that can bounce a non-land when it comes into play kind of thing. But for the most part, yeah, it's a lot more about tempo and even in blue strategies, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, and I even recently took out Aether Snipe because it's, you know, it's it's either, you know, a, a, a sorcery speed bounce spell, uh, which isn't really good for for tempo advantage because you really want to bounce creatures during you know your opponent's attack step or end of turn and, and keep them off of being able to attack, you know, for an additional turn, resetting that attack during their turn, or you're paying six mana, and it's really difficult to get to that point. So I'm I'm experimenting and, and focusing on getting. Um, lower-costed creatures that are effective at fighting aggro and slowing the game down to allow creatures like Aaron Ephemeron or to bring back um, Aether Snipe to, to, to build more time so blue decks can set that situation up. Now, in terms of, uh, as you said, bringing in more tools kind of things, like uh, Plated Sea Strider, I think, was one of the things you, when we were talking about it, that you considered. What is the building process that you would say goes into building a commons cube? Like, even your own cubes creation going from more multicolored to based on monocolor, but even then, what would you say is the building process in general for a, a commons cube? Um, probably the best way to start is to is to do use a reference list like my cube that you can find at thepoppercube.wordpress.com. You know, there's there's lots of popper cube lists. There are some that are bigger, some that are smaller. I keep pretty close to 360. I I have a series of articles I'm trying to finish on that promise it'll get done sometime this century uh, at this rate. But the, um, the the biggest thing is you want to have is no matter what kind of cube you want, uh, you know, popper cubes is just the type, 
you know, just a restriction you're applying, but you want to have a really solid vision for what you want to get out of it, what environment you want to create. And um, whether it's something more multicolored or something, you know, really strong using, um, you want the most powerful effects, you just want to have that focus. And then you choose cards that support or build towards that focus, even if you're not necessarily looking at the interactions and the synergy and the archetypes. I mean, I think it's it's a very long process of, of developing a cube, you know, but um, take, finding a sample list or finding a... Um, comparable set in Magic, for example, that you really like, and breaking down why, what you know, what are the what are the cards in that set doing? What are they? What are the things that are exciting for you? And pulling those elements out is probably the best way to start. What I did, what I did is I uh, when I switched uh, from multicolor to more more monocolor type, or increased my monocolor count by cutting multicolored cards, I focused on what are the empirically most powerful cards I can put in. Now, granted, at Common, you're looking at, like, Core Skyfisher and, you know, Veteran Swordsmith, but, you know, uh, you know, power scales are relative to the rarity, and so I was trying to put in more cards that, that definitely felt strong for being Common. There are classics like Blastoderm and Rancor, and there's certainly a lot of new Commons that, um, that are definitely more powerful than in the past, so there's a lot of options. Um, you'd, be, you'd be surprised when you start to look at just Commons. Some cards definitely pop, but there's a lot of opportunity to kind of play with what's with what's strong and what's powerful. And so um, I put together basically the strongest cards I could, and then by through drafting it, I kind of got an experience of what was what was working, what was building synergy and and felt right, and um, what things weren't working right. You know, the, the the biggest thing I saw was was blue and control strategies really struggled. You know, obviously in a creature heavy environment. So you know that's been one of my my focus is, is trying to get that uh, feeling where you, you can feel like you can draft blue and you don't end up with, um, you know, the, the bad deck. Were there any uh, tools, like kind of uh, data gathering processes that you used to evaluate, like what themes were working, for example, like uh, blue control not working? Was it uh, empirically based or was it kind of like asking the people who drafted it, like what they thought? Like, was there a feedback process that you used? Uh, it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, the biggest the, the biggest thing about cubes or, or anything with magic really is that when you're when you're putting something together, you know, and this is probably paramount for every cube designer to get because it's really easy to get distracted. Is that you're building something that should be enjoyable. You're building something for for other people to share with. And while you could you could put in everything that just makes it super great for you, and you don't even care what it plays like, you know, a, a cube is meant to be played. It's meant to be drafted. And, and used by multiple players. So um, keeping that framework in mind, the biggest way that I got feedback was, was I asked people, what did you think? You know, and basically I always ask three questions. One is, you know, what did you, what did you think, what did you think of your deck? And getting a feel for, you know, people usually in a, in a draft environment, most people will, will draft what they're comfortable with. So they'll, they'll, they'll go with a more aggressive deck or they'll try to get a more controlling deck. Or they'll go for you know a more of a mid-range you know big beats type deck, and they they grab the tools that they're familiar with because they you know they're not sure how things are going to play out, so they want to minimize their their risk and play something they're they're better at playing. And I I, I hear what decks they put together, what they were thinking when they put it together. Uh, the second question I ask is, are there any cards that just made you ask why? And just getting that random feedback of what's going on, you know, what isn't confusing, what cards aren't necessarily flagging themselves as being relevant, or are there interactions that are so subtle that it's something that only gets picked up through drafting it regularly? You know, and that's something for, for cube designers to keep in mind is that 
you play your cube all the time. That pretty much almost every time there's a draft, you're in it. And so, like everything, like any magic set, the more you draft it, the more you see the the subtleties in it. Somebody who only drafts, you know, at pre-releases isn't going to get that right away. They're not going to be able to see subtle interactions and things like that. So taking your cube and having somebody draft it once is a really good way of just getting that litmus of what's immediately apparent and what isn't. And you can kind of sculpt um, some changes and things around that to highlight things that may not be relevant by kind of making breadcrumbs, including trying to think of a good example of that, but well, there was know, something like it, uh, there was something I remember you talking about with me uh, about using cards like the uh, I forget Bloodfire Dwarf, the one that is a one mana one one that you spend one in sack it to deal one to everything, and remember you're talking about themes of making removal effects that uh, address creatures with one toughness and making that a more relevant effect kind of thing. Right. Well, I mean that's that's a that's that's a different issue is, is because there aren't board sweepers. There's no Wrath of God equivalent really at common. I mean, the closest you get is Evancar's Justice, and that just deals two damage to... I mean, basically, it's volcanic fallout, really yeah. is what it is. It's two damage to everything. But, you know, one of the things that is, you know, that, that trying to solve that issue is that, you know, making red more exciting than just, oh, cool, burn spells and bad dudes. Instead, if there are a lot more one-toughness creatures, like Reign of Embers, uh, Bloodfire Dwarf, those become pseudo-board sweeps. You know, or, or they become, you know, ways of generating card advantage. And so they, they would change some of the deck construction or some of the things that if somebody wants to go control and they see, you know, Reign of Embers, you know, if they're playing control and they see Reign of Embers, you know, I would hope that it would be a little easier to, to go, wow, there must be, there must be a lot of one toughness creatures. And it's not something that, you know, an aggressive deck's gonna pick up because it's probably gonna wipe away most of their, their tokens or their, you know, one toughness goblins. So it, you know, it adds, it adds some, it would hopefully add some interesting depth to red. You know, and that's kind of my next project that I'm working on. Okay. But the, um, but the third question I always ask is, um, what's the most exciting thing you, you saw? You know, it's, again, it's just one of those litmus test things where, you know, there are things that really excite me, but I want to make sure I'm including things that look awesome for everybody. And that's why there's, that's why there's a slot for Ulamog's Crusher in my cube. It's almost impossible to hardcast, uh, especially that it's not this Battlecruiser-type magic, but, you know, there are people that just really want to draft that all-mana ramp, and then they have a couple really big, huge dudes, and that's what they want to play. And Ulamog's Crusher is basically, you have to answer this or you lose. You know, it's the Emrakul equivalent in Popper, and I've, I've only ever seen it land in play once. Obviously, it was against me, and it completely wrecked me. <laughs> I, I, did, I had I had like three black kill spells, and of course none of them were in my hand. None of them were anywhere near the top half of my library, and I just got steamrolled by sacking lands and chump blocking, desperately trying to find this thing that would kill Bullmug's Crusher on turn six. Oh wow, that's that's just broken. <laughs> yeah, you just hit every ramp spell, a couple mana dorks, and it's it's not that hard to happen. So. And then in the game two of that, I actually did have the removal spell. I tapped out for it, like, sweet. Untap, snap, kill, win. Nope. He untaps and then plays um, Breath of Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Green-white, green-white reanimator. He had wow. big dudes, both of the reanimation spells. He drafted basically uh, the perfect reanimation deck in my cube and totally, totally crushed my, you know, three-color aggro, so... <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> and Black, it's, uh, white I'm, yeah, <laughs> just the, the the beats strategy. It's a very effective strategy. Like you said, it commons as well, just because there's so many efficient creatures like Carnophage, and that's that's one thing also that because I have a commons cube, but I don't put as much attention into it. It's kind of like my side project. But there's some I definitely have noticed that you know there are definitely themes that carry over from my powered cube as it has in my commons cube. Like Carnophage is still really good. You know, Lacerator, you know, but there's even Wretched and Nurid, you know, still supports the black aggro strategy as it would, you know, in a uh, in a powered cube. Black aggro being a good strategy in that as well. Yep. Now, uh, yeah. now there's some other cards, uh, like, for example, for those new to common cubes, for, there's some cards that people who are experienced in commons cubes will know to windmill slam. And, uh, Adam, I'm going to ask you, what would you say, I don't know how many I would say, I would maybe say, I'll say top three cards in Popper Cubes, but you can just riff with however many you want, however many. I can I can do top three. Um, top three, probably number one that most cube designers point to is um, Crypt Rats. It's basically Pestilence on a stick. You know, I mean, for that matter, Pestilence probably is related in there, but Pestilence is a little, is a little more... Um, you know, difficult, but Crypt Rats is basically, if you look it up, it's, uh, you know, tuna black for a 1-1 rat, and it's got basically the Pestilence ability, but it's a different um, wording of it. You spend X black mana, and you deal that much damage. So um, you can you can wipe the board pretty easily with a black-based deck. It's one of those cards where if you get to first pick it and you can force black, even if you're, you know, you're running a mediocre, more mediocre, like black-red or black-white deck, just having the ability to drop him and wipe the board is is almost worth it in itself. It's the only real, you know, scalable wrath effect that just, you know, is it's the cheapest way to do it. Probably the probably the the second card, I mean, I'm not ranking these very well, is Blastoderm. I've never seen a game where Blastoderm didn't create significant card advantage because you're either chumping, they're taking, you know, usually they take some combination of 5 to 10 damage and they lose, you know, 2 to 3 creatures. I've never been disappointed to drop down Blasterm because it just there really isn't any removal spell that answers it at common. And that kind of highlights the differences and other some more differences between Popper and regular cubes is that, for example, there aren't many effective ways to deal with a Blasterm. Like there's no Wrath of God. Like Crypt Rats is, and I agree, it's an amazing card, but it costs a ton of mana, and you can't really answer a Blasterm with a Crypt Rats on turn three at least. And there's you know, the five toughness of Blastorm is definitely huge. It's you're gonna have to if you're gonna try to block a Blastorm, you need you're probably gonna have to at least two for one yourself kind of thing. It's it's a really I I agree, it's a really effective creature. Yeah, about the only thing that laughs at Blastoderm is Halamar Wave Watch. Yeah, that's true. And that's, you know, uh you know, like a four mana wall, effectively. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just like a giant roadblock O six it's just like, nope, you guys are going to have to wait. Keep on waiting. And by the way, I'm going to link to these cards in the show notes in, ca- in case you're wondering what these cards are. And uh, what would you say is your uh, what would you say is your number three? Uh, number three is Rolling Thunder. Oh, yeah. Oh, Roll, yeah. Rolling Rolling Thunder was, was um, when I, early and early when I got into Magic, like the first Magic product I bought was a Tempest starter deck. And man, did I love that starter deck. It had a rule book with, no, it wasn't. It wasn't even really a rule book. It was like a Tempest storybook, and it had all these characters. And I was like, "Oh man, this is like the greatest thing ever!" Like, 
like all my friends had, you know, we had just finished reading Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, man, this is like way better than Lord of the Rings. I can play with these guys. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I I remember have opening, you know, like you know some bad rares, and like I I'm like duplicity. What does this even do? I don't even understand. <laughs> there's too many. There's too many words here. Yeah. It doesn't ki- it doesn't say destroy. It doesn't say damage. It doesn't say kill. It doesn't have a body. Whatever. And so. Yeah, I remember Rolling Thunder, and it was just like, wow. You know, I made a red-green Rolling Thunder deck because I had Savage Twister, I had Rolling Thunder, and I could just, like, you know, like, I, I didn't, like, put two and two together. Like, wow, I can blow up my opponent's creatures. It's like, you know, Rolling Thunder, wow, I can I can deal damage, you know, I can kill this one guy that I don't like and, like, deal five damage to you. Yeah, and so. it's, a, it's another one of those, like, like mass removal effects are very rare, no pun intended, but... Even better, like, Rolling Thunder is one of the few, I, I think any, aside from Arc Lightning or something, the one, one-sided one Wrath, where you can do it for, like, seven and then completely blow out your opponent's board. Well, it's, I mean, you can do similar things with Fireball, but what makes Rolling Thunder really good is that you don't waste mana. You spend two red, and then you deal X damage. And if there's extraneous damage floating around, you can point it at your opponent's face as well. It really gets the... It's just really efficient for what it does. Which is probably why we haven't seen it since. That's true. I mean, there was a Comet Storm, which is kind of similar, but... Yeah, so, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, so, the, so the next most similar card is is a, is a Mythic... Is a, is a recent set's Mythic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, you know, let's leave the comparison at that. Exactly. In terms of... Because uh, there are a lot of these cards people haven't heard of. Like, I'm assuming most people who have most of their experience with you know, powered cubes, rare cubes. Like, a lot of people aren't familiar with these cards. Are there cards that, when you ran them in your cube, that surprised you, that were kind of like, this card is really different than how I expected, it was, you know, really okay and ended up being ridiculously good kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, um, probably the card that surprised me the the most is, um, you know, I don't know know what you're going to have to say about it, but um, Mystical Teachings. Mystical teaching seems like an auto clue. It's like, wow, instant speed double tutor? How can I go wrong? There really isn't anything to tutor at common. The best spells you want to play are sorceries, rolling thunder, you know, Evancar's justice, and fireball. There, there really aren't, there, there are any awesome dudes with flash like the fairy, or, uh, misbind click, or anything like that. Maybe not misbind click, but Dillion click is probably, it's probably, uh, the fairy I'm thinking of, but, you know, when you go to tutor it, it's like, I'm spending five mana to go get a removal spell. And it's so expensive, I can't do it and play the removal spell at the same time. By the time I have eight mana, I should already be in control of the game. I shouldn't be still fighting, you know, still fighting for aggro. Which is why I kept in Demir Infiltrator. Because, yeah, you have to use it as a sorcery, but with five mana, you can untap, draw it, go, you know what, I really need that removal spell, tutor for it, and have it. And you have the mana left to, to actually cast it. You know, or you can tutor Boomerang, or you can tutor something that's going to be two mana and it's going to impact the board immediately. You know, I, I really tried to let mystical teachings work. You know, I, I forced Blue Black just to try, just to snap it and, and see what I could do with it, and I was never, I, I never was able to do anything with it that I wanted to do. Now in, like, a common-uncommon cube or a powered cube, mystical teachings is absurd, but it, it just did not work with, with my commons. On that vein, like, when you suggested a Demir Infiltrator, like, I was kind of iffy on the card. Like, I was like, well, it's a 1-3, like, its unblockability is never going to really matter. But the fact that it could transmute for some of the best cards in the format, like Terror, Doomblade, 
counterspell stuff like that made it really powerful and it was it was a tutor that at first glance may look for less stuff it was i found more efficient or at least a better tutor effect yeah i'm opening my my cube now and i'm going to do a quick sort on everything that's costed two or you know two or less i mean to, at, at two well one of the things like some of the surprising things were like wave watch death denied like stuff like that you wouldn't think of to tutor but those totally work yeah it's i mean it's totally i mean it, Death Denied is probably, you know, one of the strongest things you can tutor for. That was, that was actually the only thing I liked to tutor for. I think Death Denied is an instant, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, the only thing I ever really wanted to tutor for was, oh, I can I can tutor for this and then untap and reload my hand, and then I'm still not able to, to impact the board right away. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, well over 20% of my cube costs two. Wow. You know, things like Grim Harvest... Disturbed Burial is probably really good to tutor for as well. You get stuff like Sign and Blood, Terror, a bunch of ramp effects. Of course, if you're you know if you're green somehow, that you can get Jilt. Oh yeah. <laughs> terminate, <laughs> Jilt, Terminate, Curse of Chains, Agony Warp, a bunch of Burn spells, a whole bunch of good ones. You can get a whole ton of blue spells: Boomerang, Counterspell, Days Deprive, Essence Scatter, Impulse, Into the Royal, Mana Leak, Man- Memory Lapse, Narcolepsy, Remove Soul. Basically, you get a ton of answers in blue. Yeah, you get all the cards that you should be playing in a blue deck, in essence. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have probably probably three to four of them easily. Perhaps even more if you're the only blue player and you didn't see a lot of creatures. You can get Halmar Wave Watch and Giant Tortoise uh, if you need to slow things down. Fathom Seer lets you reload your hand. A lot of the white removal also, like Pacifism, Pacifism Journey stuff like that as well. Yeah, I mean, with blue black, it's hard to. You know, it's hard to do those splash things, but in, um, I mean, just in blue, it's totally worth it. Oh, yeah, and most, sure. most of the time in blue, you're going to splash either red or black. Yeah. Just for access to um, the removal. Yeah, that's usually what I've done, now I think about it. Were there any other cards that really surprised you that, that kind of stuck out, like, or at least kind of surprised you when you uh, when you ran them? Yeah, the um, the vanilla guys, uh, Centaur Corsor and Nessian Corsor. That f- being three threes in a world of two twos or two ones or one twos is um, is awesome to understate it. To kill it, you you really have to either spend a removal spell or um, block it with with a token. You know you have to double block somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that 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 three three is like the you know is like the kind of like the cusp. That's where that's where it starts to get really good. For creatures, when you have um, three power and three toughness, I'm trying to think of the comparable mark in power cubes. Probably five five. I was about to say five or six. Like that's kind yeah. of the magic toughness, at least for burn. Like five is kind of like protection from burn kind of thing. And in common yeah. cubes, that's yeah another reason why blast Storm was so good is because five is such a huge magic toughness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, blast Storm's like a like a common titan. I mean, it's just. You know, it's killing something, or it's doing something really good for you every turn it's attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also like a Titan is, and, you know, it's definitely going away as soon as possible. You know, you're, you've either won the game by the time it's solved itself, you know, it's dated, or um, the opponent trades right away and kills it. Or, you know, you're still getting your value out of it. Those those three threes are, are boring. They're not, they don't seem very interesting, but they're extremely solid. Because most of the things that cost three mana are two, two... To do virtual vanillas, you know, stuff like Civic Wayfinder, you know, something like 
you know, like a Shadow Dude. You know, you can get like a 2-2 Shadow Dude for 3 mana or 3-1 Shadow Dude, but, you know, they're pretty fragile. The, the one toughness makes them pretty, pretty easy to solve if you have a, if you have a blocker or, or any, any burn spell. Yeah, or like Arc Lightning or Pyrokinesis yeah. kind of thing. And that was another card that, just because of the context of Commons Cubes, Pyrokinesis, I think it's Py- no, Pyrotechnics. Yeah, Pyrotechnics. Yeah, Pyrotechnics is the one that's essentially uh, four and a red, where you Arc Lightning for four. And it's one of those cards, I think, if I were to think about it in the abstract, I think, well, it's just one more damage than Arc Lightning, but you pay two more. Yeah, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, it... It kills X2s. It kills two X2s, which is often just worth it on its own. I mean, there's a lot of things that have two toughness, but um, being able to wipe away an entire board of X1s is... I've done that. I mean, I drafted drafted the God deck with Rolling Thunder, Pyrotechnics, Arc Lightning, and I didn't drop a single game. Wow. Because I just... Whatever they put down, I could wipe out. Did you uh, you also have Mind Stone or, like, Prismatic Lens or something? I don't know. Usually when I draft um, aggro plus burn, I don't do, you know, I don't do the, the mana wrapping or stuff because I just try to pack my, my deck full of bodies and let, um, you know, whenever I have a removal spell come up, it's usually just a matter of removing blockers and then I get in for, you know, five or six damage. Yeah, like, uh, or even like cards like Short Cutter, which may seem unimpressive, but the fact that, yeah, it gets rid of a blocker and let your dudes just bash in early is a, I think that was a card, at least for me, that really surprised... Or I don't know if I'd say it super surprised me, but I was it's, very it, happy with it. It's actually interesting you bring that up, because red can be easily just burn and churn, just, oh, I've got lots of burn spells, and that's all it does. But that's one of the one of the cards in red that I think is really interesting, that I definitely want to try to fit in, because it does something unique in that um, it creates that unblockability, and while it's not... You know, it's effectively just like pseudo removal for a turn. It's like a flicker type effect. Like, okay, that goes away for you know for this combat state step. You know, it it's, it comes on a body, which is what's really important because that two one may not be impressive in Zendikar in a world of three three first strikers and you know vampires that get huge real quick. But two one in a, in a cube is pretty reasonable. In a popper cube is pretty reasonable. So you can I can easily see how dropping it, being able to swing in, and then trading it for one of your opponent's three mana two twos. You know, seems um, seems fine. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely am a fan of that guy. I totally recommend playing that guy. Uh, were there any cards in that vein that kind of disappointed you? You played them like, kind of like with Mystical Teachings, where you played it, it, it there was an impression that you had that you thought it'd be really good, and then it just kind of fell flat. Just like this card is not working. Oh, um, I mean, so many changes early on where there were pet cards that I really liked that just didn't work. You probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there are others. I just can't think of any off the top of my head right now. Okay. I, I guess I could try to come up with some myself. Well, I was wondering if maybe we w- we wanted to get to the cool stuff. And, okay. Um, yeah, that totally works. Start talking, about some, start talking about some preview cards. Okay. Yeah, there was definitely, like, at this point in the season, there haven't been, like, a ton of good commons. But, yeah, like, for the last two episodes, we've been kind of, me and Anthony have been talking about cards and what we think of them. And there's uh, there's about five or six commons from Mirrodin Besieged that I wanted to talk about. And the first one was uh, Leonin Skyhunter, which is a double white mana for 2-2 flyer. And if it sounds familiar, it's because it was originally an uncommon in Mirrodin, and it got downgraded to common. So Adam, what do you think of it? For, at least for commons cubes. I would say that it was upgraded to common, 
actually. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's just very efficient. I mean, it's you know, two two flying is gonna get in there. It's gonna deal some damage. Um, you know, if you're if you're white heavy or you're very lightly splashing, you know, like something like red or or green, just for a little bit of you know reach with burn or, or bigger bodies. You know, I I'm I mean I put Kemba's Skyguard in because it's basically you know one extra mana gain to life and that's been great. You know, it usually bashes in for a while until it trades with with something that's more annoying or chump blocks. You know, I think two two flying is excellent. Um, I'm really excited to to fit it in somewhere. I haven't really thought about where it would go yet, but that's always the hard part is what to yeah. take out. <laughs> like this card's great. Now what what do I take out is the problem. Like, uh, and that's kind of another thing about white in commons cubes, is there's a lot of good evasive creatures, like, uh, Sky Hunter, uh, Stormfront Pegasus, Kemba Skyguard, the Shoe Cavalry, the 2-2 Horsemanship, and this just perfectly fits that theme, and I agree, I'm totally gonna run it, I just have to figure out what I'm gonna take out for it, but that's the thing. Uh, another one, Phyrexian Rager, it's the old, uh... Gray Ogre, two and a black for 2-2 two, two. when it enters the battlefield. Draw a card, lose a life. And it's a reprint, but it's got better art, and it's probably going to be easier to pick up as a, uh, you know, as a foil. I have, I have the original. I go for, uh, for old school style. But yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a quick and easy foil, it's definitely good at common. That's, um, it's probably a staple card for, for any black X deck. Agreed. Definitely, definite stable. Uh, what about, uh, there's another card, uh, Mirren's Spy. It's a two and a blue for a one-three flying creature that says when you play an artifact, you may untap target creature. What do you, what do you think of that one? I kind of like him. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure exactly where, where that kind of card would go, but I've been looking, I, I've been thinking for a while, it, man, it'd be really great if Giant Tortoise had flying. Because it's, you know, it's great when, you know, you drop it against, you know, like, Carnivage or Vampire Lacerator. It's like, oh, lol, you're going to take, like, one damage per turn, you mm-hmm. know, for quite a while here now. But, you know, if they drop something like a Flyer on turn two, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like, the Inn Sky Hunter. oh, well, that doesn't help here. But a one, th- you know, that three toughness is actually pretty good against a lot of the Flyers in my cube. I haven't done, um, I haven't done an analysis. I have a pretty detailed spreadsheet that shows me, like, the power and toughness of all of my creatures, and I can actually check, but... Just on some airbrushing, you know, I, you know, I see in white, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten out of the twelve flyers ha- only have two power. Wow, <laughs> nice. So dropping a one-three flyer really, um, really gums up the air, and it's, you know, it's something fine to attack with because if they only have two power, you know, when you're in a position where they need to keep blockers back, or they, you know, or you've got something like Aaron Ephemeron that you know that they're that they're going to block and, and trade with. You know, you can you can start sending him in, and, and he's still evasive. You know, later in the game, um, the his ability, the ability, you know, order you play an artifact, you can untap a creature. It's pretty irrelevant in a popper cube. You know, there there will be, you know, I'm trying to increase my artifact count just that way. You know, red, you know, the red creatures that blow up artifacts are a little more relevant, a little more interesting, but. Really, that's, you know, I'm looking at it as a 1-3 one, three, one, three flying for 3 mana. It's like a flying wall kind of dude. Yeah, as a flying wall. I mean, it costs the same as, like, you know, Leonin, um, or, the um, one, three vigilance Sky Hunter guy. Prowler. You know, the 1-3 Vigilance. I mean, it doesn't have Vigilance, but it's, you know, probably good. It might be good enough. I wouldn't say probably. I gotta look at it more. Yeah, that's another one that I kind of may be on, but 
It's an it's an idea. It's a something that's in my head for right now. There's another one. There's a creature, and for the most part, I've not been very happy with the infect creatures. Like just like in my regular cube, there isn't really a critical mass of infect to make infect creatures good, and infect is more kind of like a drawback. But there was one common that seemed really interesting called Rot Wolf, and it's two and a green for a two-two with infect, and it says when a creature damaged by it is put into a graveyard from play this turn, draw a card. Now, what, I don't know, what do you think of that one? You know, I, I'd have to test it out. I definitely really want to try to test it, because it's something that's, it's it's a green creature, it's a body, but it's more interesting than just, you know, a lot of the, you know, it might be something to try instead of the 3-3, three, three, um, just to kind of weaken green a little bit. It's definitely my strongest color, but to put something in that's still interesting, because if, you know, if you if you trade it in combat, you're probably replacing itself, or at least drawing, or at least drawing something else. And the fact that it has infect means that you can win against bigger creatures. You know, at least weaken it. You know, like, you know, infect is probably the one thing that that would be a solid answer against um, Blastoderm. Yeah, because it it leaves it weaker afterwards, and that's you know really helpful when you're trying to not take a ton of damage or lose all of your dudes doing it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, the infect is probably going to kill. You know, there's so many, there's so many things that are too tough. It's probably going to kill whatever it trades with. And if it happens to, if your opponent looks at it and he doesn't want you to draw a card, or for some reason doesn't want you to trade, you know, if it's a removal magnet, it's probably, probably not the strongest creature to kill. So I feel like it, it puts, you know, it's one of those punisher type situations for your opponent. Is well, I can trade and he can draw a card, or I waste a removal spell and he doesn't. And I feel that. You know, that dynamic might be something, you know, that's interesting. It's kind of like a Perilous Mirror. Really surprised me. It is a huge deterrent for attackers, the fact that it can deal two to anything when it dies. And I think Rot Wolf is going to be kind of similar. It's going to discourage people from attacking. So it's going to be... I find it's the reverse. It discourages people from blocking. It's like a pseudo... It's like a pseudo-unblockability, because it's like, well, I don't want to block and trade my... Trade... You know, because I lose a dude and he draws a card. You know, or like I don't want to, tr- I don't want to block the mirror because I can block with my two-two, but then he's just going to kill my other really good creature that I would never block with. That's true. It's kind of like you a know, rock it, in a hard place. It's like you don't really want to. It's like when you see an attack, you're like, I, like I, I really am not going to be happy with either outcome. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I putting the putting the decision in your opponent's hands, you know, is never the most pleasant thing. But when it's like creatures and you're attacking and there's all of these other factors involved with it, sometimes it's it's fine, you know, to, to present, you know, uh, a lose-lose-more choice, and your opponent has to correctly pick the lose-less option. Sometimes that's um, not so apparent, and it's a good way for um, skilled players, which do not include me, I would not ascribe myself as skilled. Um, that's to not take true. It, <laughs> to take... <laughs> you haven't watched me. <laughs> There's a reason I don't go to FNM. To... To take advantage of players that that make make the incorrect choice or or put themselves in a position where they end up blocking and getting the blowout because they you know they should have just taken the one damage or taken the two damage, and that's the other thing about Rotwolf is that that pseudo unblockability feature, it's an effective four power because remember infect deals poison damage, so they can afford to let it go for a while and they'll rack up some poison counters and then they can block it. 
which is fine, but if you, you know, if there are, let's say, a couple other infect creatures, there's possibility for that infect sub-theme where suddenly you've got Rotwolf and, you know, maybe X, X and Y other problematic infect creatures, and, you know, maybe I can, you know, maybe I, maybe that's a sub-theme, you know, in green or black that can be put in. I mean, that's, that's just something I'm looking at to try to make, you know, the, you know, the, talking about building cubes, looking at ways of, of putting in sub-themes or opening up interesting deck, deck options, you know, having the Infect deck would be a really cool thing in Popper Cube because it's just different. People wouldn't necessarily expect it. And I think that there's, you know, there would be a big draw that somebody would see that and go, I'm going to grab all the Infect dudes. And as long as each individual one has purposes that lend themselves to other decks or can be a good 13th creature or 15th creature if you need it, you know, I, I think there's no harm, no foul in trying to support something different or unique. Yeah, I, I remember it kind of made me think about, well, there was a time I did a draft and uh, somebody picked up a Gemhide Sliver. And it's a really good sliver even without other slivers. It's the one one in a green, one one tap to make one of any color. And the guy was, at the end, he was kind of disappointed because he was kind of expecting the other slivers. He was trying to, you know, draft a sliver deck, and that never really happened. And that's something, you know, I might do an article on sometime or maybe talk about on the podcast a bit more. But, you know, it's definitely encouraging those decks is definitely something really nice. Where even, like, Trinket Mage, where, you know, if you have enough, you know, if you have the critical mass of targets in your cube in your, any cube, you know, commons cube or whatever, although I think it probably may work better in a commons cube, is, you know, to encourage those kinds of archetypes, make make it more varied. In terms of the uh, cards that kind of, you know, the Punisher kind of cards, uh, one that definitely reminded me of that was uh, Viridian Emissary, another new card that I think Mm -hmm. is going to be really interesting, is one in a green for 2-1, elf something, elf warrior or something. When it's put into the graveyard from play, Rampant growth. Yeah, I um, I saw that pop up today, and I had a little quick. Um, I, I forget his last name. I, Cranny. Uh, he and Sam Stoddard do in contention, and Cranny's a big cube enthusiast. And uh, Thea Steele, she, you know, they they jumped on it, and um, you know, it was like, well, is this any good? You know, it seems interesting, and you know, I, I looked it up, and I was like, this is like, this is the Sakura Tri Builder you want. Mm-hmm. This is. You know, it's not better because it's it's not the same card. It's not the same effect. You know, I mean, I'm not. I, you could go argue in circles about what's, you know, what's empirically better or, or, or worse. But it's a two-one for two, so it's an effective it's an effective aggro bear. It's going to be swinging in for two damage, and it gives you both the combat damage and the ramp effect. And I think that that's the most important aspect is that you can just drop him and start swinging. Because chances are your opponent's going to trade with it, you're going to get the rampant growth, and so you're getting the card advantage no matter what. Even if you have to chump block with it, it's still, you know, if, if you draw it late in the game and it's only good as a chump blocker, it's better than ramp growth because it still gives you a body. Mm-hmm. It's the same speed. It doesn't, unless you have an immediate need for, for mana the next turn, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, sure there's always a corner case where that happens, but... You know, especially in a popper cube, I I love this kind of this kind of guy because I can I can replace something that's not quite as exciting, put you know another one toughness dude in, and have something that's more interesting than just you know a Nessian Corsair type three three vanilla. You know, it's definitely you know definitely something I'm looking forward to slamming down and just starting to, to pound away with. And even still, like if you play it on turn two and you attack with it. It's kind of a, you know, browbeat kind of punisher thing where your opponent 
it is put into a rough spot where if it's an aggro deck, they don't want to take early damage, but on the other hand, they don't want to ramp. And like I said, it's kind of it's kind of dependent on your opponent whether they'll choose the best course of action. But either way, you're gonna be happy with the outcome no matter what. Uh, yeah, I mean the the two things that I that I that I want to point out about that is I always look at like the worst case scenario. If it's if it's okay in the worst case scenario, it only gets better, and that's when you're top decking late in the game, and it's only good for chump blocking. That's the worst case, and it's still fine. Mm-hmm. You know, early in the game, it just gets you know it's it's the best on turn two, because if they attack in and you trade, you know, like like you know if you played Zakur Tribelder, you would block and then sacrifice before you know before damage is assigned. Now nowadays, you know, back in the day, it was damage on the stack, but now, you know, us new kids, you know the <laughs> Have to do it, you know, the new school way. Back in my um, day, you know, uh, you know. But now it's like you get the damage and you get the ramp. Awesome! It's just so good early. But the um, the other thing is that is a lot of people, you know, the big argument about the fetch lands is, you know, oh, I'll thin my library down. You know, it makes my draws incrementally better. Well, with a big sixty card deck, it really doesn't. But when you're playing, and I've noticed this effect because I've because I've achieved it, is that. With my with popper cubes, you can have so many good ramp effects happening. Like, you know, when you've got both of the um, civic wayfinder type cards, and you've got the um, Kadama's uh, Reach cultivate Kadama's Reach, and you've got a rampant growth, and you've got the the Sylvan Ranger, and you're ripping six seven lands out of your deck. Your draws are better. You know, the incremental effect is 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 significantly bigger, and it does and it takes significantly fewer effects to actually feel like your draw is like you draw more gas. Not only do you have the mana to play it, but you're drawing less lands. And um, you know, this guy helps play into that type of that type of deck as well. Definitely. Uh in terms of uh there's one more card I want to talk about called Flare Husk. Uh one mana equipment with the living weapon mechanic, you know, when it comes into play with a zero zero germ and it gives a creature plus, equipped creature plus one plus one and you spend two to equip it. Now, I was really, you know, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, this seems good for commons cubes. What do you think? I, it's it's awesome. You know, one of the things that I really wanted to, to try to do is include more one-drops that are useful for decks other than, like, the the black-red or the black-white, you know, just swing as hard and quick and as fast as possible. You know, and this gives a one-drop to any color. Yeah, it's only a 1-1, one, one, but the fact that it sticks around as an equipment uh, lets you do something with with extra mana. That as the game goes on, it you know that two that equip two basically becomes irrelevant because you can equip you know you can play your one one equip and make it two two, which is suddenly a lot more useful for trading uh, for attacking. Um, you know if you've got something like your you know let's say one three flyer, which isn't that impressive, and now you have a two four flyer. You know Azur Drake's pretty pretty good to be swinging mm-hmm. with. Yeah, you're probably you're probably taking something out if they double block to kill it. You know, and that's the that's the worst case for that. And then just put it on something else after. Yeah, it's equipment. It sticks around. It's um, you know, it's it's a one drop that's better than you know the it's one drop equipment. You know, which beats enchantments. You know, I, I think it's I think it's phenomenal. Definitely agreed. Uh, it's getting to be about the hour point, so uh, I'm going to ask if you have uh, to wrap this up. Do you have any general advice you would give? For somebody who wants to build a commons cube, you know, if they, you know, listen to this and you're like, I'm totally building a commons cube, what are, what's some general advice that you would give for, um, you know, Johnny B. Noob to commons cubes? Um, probably the, the best general advice I have is try, when you, when you start to put it together and you figure out, 
you know, okay, I want green to have ramp effects, I want white to have evasion, I want black to have removal, red to have burn, you know, whatever your core setup is, get the cards together, randomize it, and make some sealed decks from it. DSDL talked about this pretty recently, but, you know, if you want to see how it feels to work with this in, as a limited environment, if you can make sealed decks out of it that function, you know, like the, like, like a good limited deck you would want to have at, you know, some more competitive event, you know, I feel that that's a good litmus test that, that your, that your commons cube is working right. Because ideally, all of the cards should be, should be okay and limited, but you should be able to make like that sick limited deck with any sealed pull that you open. When you have enough of the effects, uh, when you have enough of the creatures that are, that are, that are evasive, when you have enough removal, that, you know, you have a couple different options for colors, a couple different options for decks, and you feel good that there's definitely um, a really good deck in there. Were there any themes that you would suggest in, for example, if you were to say a couple themes in, like, each color or something like that, is there are there any that you would give a little bit of support to and then kind of gradually did more kind of thing? Yeah. Um, when, I, when I first built it, I put in all the signets, um, you know, Boros signet, Zoria Signet, and I put in all of the Bounce Lands uh, from Ravnica block. And I tried to also have green be the mana ramping color. Basically, it, you know, green's theme didn't work because the the Signets were better than Rampant Growth. The Bounce Lands were better than playing a Cultivate, oftentimes. So it it really became, you know, a, an issue where I had to to take a really hard look at, at those cards. And about that time, um, Tom LaPilly was like, you know, hey, I, by the way, I took signets out of my cube. Discuss. You know, just sent word down to the masses for us to to do something like that. And um, at first, you know, I was like, man, I got to take all this stuff out. You know, like I really like these. I had just gotten foil versions of all of them, so I was super super attached. And um, you know, as soon as I pulled them out and tested without it, green felt so different because you could go a straight beatdown route, but you also had this interesting. I can now mana ramp way better than the other colors. What can I do with that? You know, what are the things now that I want? Like, oh, man, if I'm going to ramp, I need to grab a fireball or um, a death denied or something like that. Because when you can play one of those X spells for way more than a deck normally should, it just wins. It just feels really awesome. And so now there's this ramp deck that's in green in addition to the normal beatdown route. And so that's... um, you know, I guess that's a two-parter, is, is taking a look at what are the things that, you know, you're you're doing or you have in your cube that, that are interesting, but just but something's holding it back, and then questioning, is that thing that's holding it back really necessary? Is that thing that's holding it back something that has to be? You know, and being willing to, being willing to take out all the signets and basically all the bounce lands and try your cube without them, you know, you definitely notice the difference, but being, being unafraid to try those things is definitely uh, something I would recommend. All right, excellent. Okay, uh, thank you very much for your input and and all the excellent advice you have given. Uh, are there any ways to uh, to contact you, like uh, on Twitter, on your blog, things like that? Yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, the underscore Stibbs S T Y B S. Uh, you can you can read my columns on MagicTheGathering.com or DailyNDG.com. It's Tuesday's serious fun column. You can find me Wednesdays on Mana Nation. You can find me usually some day of the week on quietspeculation.com. And, um, and of course, I have my own, my own cube blog that I mentioned before, thepoppercube.wordpress.com. Highly uh, recommended, then, by the way. There's, um, 
you know, I haven't updated it in a while. I'm, I'm going to admit, you know, it's a little, um, I, I've, I've kind of had my hands full with three, you know, basically three weekly columns and some other work and personal life, you know, yada, yada, the general excuse. But um, I put up a cube template, and um, I keep my cube pretty, pretty up to date there. I don't really make changes and not update my cube spreadsheet, so it's uh, it's pretty detailed. It gives you, you know, some options if you if you want to dive down and look at you know converted mana cost and average power across different colors counts. You know, I have counts of card advantage and removal, evasion for creatures, things like that. So I really try to drill down and, and give myself some tools to examine my cube with. So if you're if you're interested in in putting in a little bit of effort to get it all set up and to get it in initially. Once it's in, really the only changes you make are when you make cube updates, and that's pretty straightforward. It's it's a really good way to to do some analysis if you're if you're interested in that side of cubing. I definitely think that's something worth looking into, especially. I think that's it. I think uh, in case you want to post comments to this, uh, post any questions to Adam on the comments of the podcast. It's at mtgcast.com, and you know comment under the uh, you know under the podcast as usual. But yeah, thank you very much. Great, my pleasure.